You're listening to Autumn on the Air, the weekly podcast that brings you conversations about the impact of research commercialization and the people who make it happen. Join us for interviews with patent and licensing professionals, innovators, entrepreneurs, and tech transfer leaders on the issues and trends that matter most. Keep listening for an inside track on the people, IP policies, and politics changing our world. Welcome to another episode of Autumn on the Air. Each year, Americans observe National Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th to October 15th by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. Today, we're kicking off our Hispanic Heritage Month series with Dr. Jose More, the founder of Ad Astra Media, where he provides role models and educational STEAM, or science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, content to encourage more diversity in STEAM-related fields. Dr. Moray has left an indelible mark on the world of STEAM education, biotechnology, AI, and aerospace. His career includes serving as Chief Medical Officer for Ever Medical, advising NASA, Forbes, and MIT, and holding leadership roles, including his current role as Lista National Chair at Tech Latino, where he continues to drive positive change and empowerment in the Hispanic tech community. Welcome, Dr. Moray. I'm so excited to have you here on the air. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. And I thought maybe the best way to kick the podcast off was I mentioned during the intro that you're the founder of Astra Media LLC, which provides role models and educational STEM content. So I'm curious, can you take us back a little bit to how this all got started, as well as what drives your commitment to encourage diversity in the STEAM fields? Sure. So I appreciate it. Thank you for for having me on again. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, my journey and my career. So at Astra Media, it was named after something that uh, astronauts tend to uh, tell each other a lot. I've, I've worked as a consultant for NASA uh, previously in my career for several years, um, and it means to the stars. So it's something that uh, they would say to each other. So that's really what we're looking to do with that Astro Media is to inspire kids uh, to shoot for the stars, uh, to dream about the things that they can be, particularly around science and and technology. And the reason I decided to start the company was because I, although I have had um, many experiences within science and technology and been able to work with amazing institutions, amazing organizations, and work on some really cool projects over my career. Uh, oftentimes, I was the only Latino that was working on many of these projects, especially as I moved up the executive level. Um, and then sometimes I'd be the only person that came from any underrepresented group on many of these projects. And a lot of these things, especially in science and technology, uh, you know, the STEM or STEAM related fields, uh, they're the ones that are generating the greatest amount of generational wealth. And if you don't have kids from underserved communities, underrepresented communities uh, involved in developing these technologies, then you have a twofold problem. One is that these technologies that are being developed could potentially exacerbate systemic inequalities that have existed or pre-existed for uh, for many years. Um, and you have kind of a, a shutting out of 
creating new wealth for the future generation from kids from these communities. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to start going out and talking to uh, kids from high school, grade school, middle school, uh, throughout my professional career, you know, I, I'd ask kids, who was it or what was it that they were dreaming about being when they grew up and, or who they followed on social media? What, what kind of people were motivating them and inspiring them and causing them to dream about the things that they could be? Um, and it was always, you know, they, a lot of the kids from these communities want to be, especially, you know, I'm from Puerto Rico, uh, want to be maybe uh, musicians, maybe reggaetoneros. They want to be maybe, um, you know, baseball players, basketball players. And that's fine and great. But the reality is that, um, you know, there's a, it's much easier to make a thousand doctors or a thousand nurses than it is to make a thousand bad bunnies. Um, And no shade to Benito. I love Benito and I love what he does for our, uh, our community and, um, and all the other artists and, and, and athletes. But the reality is that if we can get kids from our communities to be dreaming about STEM and steam fields, if we can get them to start all making, you know, six-figure jobs, then that is true economic power. And with true economic power comes true political power. Um, and ultimately, you know, those are the things that we're trying to do is inspire kids from our communities to go into the fields that are creating this generational wealth that will give economic power to our communities. And, you know, you've been a prominent figure in exponential technology innovation, and it's obvious you've worn so many hats during your career. You mentioned consulting for NASA, but you've also served as a health and technology keynote speaker. So can you talk a little bit about how these diverse experiences have shaped your perspective on the importance of diversity in tech and the STEM industries? Yeah, 100%. Um, The reality is that there is no job that's not going to be touched or has not already been touched by technology in some capacity. Uh, every job in the future is going to be uh, tech enabled. And the reality is that uh, these technologies can exacerbate inequalities that already exist. For example, um, let's take artificial intelligence as a, since it's a very popular you know, topic right now. Um, but if, if our our data, well, people from underserved communities aren't included in these data sets, or if the data that is included comes from uh, systemically biased uh, structures or, or data sets, uh, then that can potentially perpetuate inequalities. And there's been lots of examples, real world examples of this already occurring. I'll give you a, a few. Uh, one is there's been a lot of AI applications for healthcare uh, to determine reimbursement and and practices uh, of of healthcare administration, uh, and I've 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 been a part of developing a lot of AI applications within healthcare. So this is you know something I'm, I'm that I deal with on on a lot of levels and many uh, many occasions. And a lot of these applications uh, they've shown would tell the organization to not reimburse or not uh, do a particular uh, treatment plan, uh, particularly for people from underserved communities, so black and brown people. And when they were looking at that, one of the reasons that it was doing that is because it was looking at zip code data uh, or other data that influences outcomes. Um, And so those things come from 
you know, things like redlining and Jim Crow laws uh, and understanding that those data sets, if utilized, can perpetuate those inequalities is really, really important. Another example, there's a great documentary out there um, called Coded Bias, where they talk about facial recognition software, which uses a lot of machine learning, a lot of data sets uh, from to analyze uh, that's used in law enforcement uh, to be able to predict that someone might be uh, a potential suspect in some case. So it, it analyzes uh, the person's face as it walks by, and then it kind of gives an alert to uh, the law enforcement officials used all over all over the world. Um, and it was the documentary covers uh, a prominent uh a doctor from MIT. Her name is Joy Bolawini. Um, and she was trying to create an application uh, using the facial recognition software for uh, for something new that she was experimenting with. And she bought all the over-the-counter uh, or off-the-shelf uh, facial recognition software. So the ones from IBM, from Google, from and others. Uh, and what she found was every time she's very, she's very dark skinned and every time she would put her face in front of the camera, it always say no face, no face identified, no face identified. And she really understood, didn't understand what was happening because she tried all, all the different a- applications and none of them were identifying her face. And then she happened to have this face mask, those white face masks that looks like a Mardi Gras mask um, that she had in her office. And when she put it on, then the facial recognition software would identify her, would identify that there was a face there. And what she found was when she looked at the data sets um, to see as to where what the data was saying or where it was being trained from, like 95% and greater came from white men. So it was just white male data sets that were being used for the facial recognition software. So that's why it wasn't trained. And then the thing is that these law enforcement um other research has been done for these law enforcement AI applications, and they tested one of them on the Congressional Black Caucus. So, you know, Congress people within the United States, and then identified something ridiculous, like over 90% of them and identified them as potential uh, criminals, uh, because the small data sets that were being used from black and brown people uh, were actually criminals. So that's all the data it had to go along. So it was uh, misidentifying uh, incorrectly uh, potential people uh, as criminals when they were not. So those are the the, the reasons why uh, it's important for us to have diverse folks at the table developing these technologies, because um, if you do not, then these types of things can occur. And when we're having these types of applications determining, you know, who gets healthcare, who does not, uh, who gets a loan, who does not, who may be a criminal, who may not, these are life-changing and life-altering um, things. Uh, And I often give the example, you know, if Nazi Germany developed an AI application, what do you think it would have taught the AI? You know, what would it have said about black and brown people or about Jewish people or about gay people? Um, So it's understanding that the technology itself is not biased, but when you're developing technology on biased data, then it can perpetuate those problems. So we really need diverse people. And in the Coded Bias documentary, they went back and looked at, all right, well, who was it that was developing these? And if you looked at the teams, the teams were primarily just white men. Um, so it, it just goes to show you that it's important uh, because everyone has blind spots. You know, everybody has uh, unconscious, unconscious bias, biases bias, yeah. that 
Yeah, that they kind of, uh, they're just not thinking about it. And there's nothing, it's just not in their purview because they've never had to deal with it. So, and that's, that's fine. But the reality is that we have to be honest, all of us, that we have these biases and, and bring a diverse group of people to the table when developing these advanced technologies. So that's number one. But the number two is this economic generational wealth development. Uh, the fact that if we continue to leave people out, of these fields, especially people from underserved communities, it's just going to perpetuate, um, you know, economic and social disparities. And we're seeing uh, consequences of that. Uh, it's multifactorial, but with the homeless uh, homelessness that's increasing in the United States and in other places, we need to make sure that everyone, uh, there's enough wealth to go around for everyone. It needs to not be so centralized. It needs to be able to elevate communities and be able to create safety nets. Um, so we need to make sure that we have everyone at the table so that everyone is being fed. Absolutely. I think you said that very, very well. And you know, I think that is a, a good segue into, you know, this is the kickoff for our Hispanic Heritage Month series. And it's a time to celebrate the contributions of Hispanic individuals in various fields. So, Dr. Mori, I wanted to ask you, how can we inspire more young Hispanics to pursue careers in tech transfer and STEAM? Um, I think it's multifactorial. It depends, obviously, on on the age group. Um, one of the things that we're doing at, at Astra Media is really focused on uh, creating, uh, entertaining stories, creating heroes, heroines um, that are that look like people that come from our community. So creating those storylines of what kids can be, planting the seeds that will turn into their dreams, that will eventually turn into their realities. That is what we're doing. So one of the things that we are doing, we need more help with, not just you know helping us directly, but other people doing the same thing of creating content. Uh, you can see like um, the movies like Million, uh, Million Miles from Home, Encanto, uh, all these films that show representation, all this media that shows representation, these things truly matter. These things truly uh, cause kids to dream about what they can be and shape how they view themselves, how they view the world sees them, and how they view their opportunities. Uh, we cannot underestimate the power that media has on all of us. The media shapes uh, the, all these things, not just for children, but it shapes it for adults as well. So putting more content out there that shows representation of um, BIPOC, uh, Latine, Latino people uh, that are scientists, that are entrepreneurs, that are engineers, uh, that are uh, doctors, nurses, etc. That truly changes the storyline uh, for our community and for our people. And those things are vitally important. Uh, we have to be not just telling fictional stories that shows that representation, but we also have to be telling non-fictional stories, real world stories of of people from our community that are doing these things that are out there. It's not like we do not exist. We are uh, doing these things. We are uh, driving innovation forward. We are driving the economic engine of the United States forward, uh, of the world forward. And we need to continue to be telling these stories. And at the end, at the end of the day, if we don't tell our stories who will? Uh, so that's one thing that can be done. Another thing is mentorship. We need to do much better with mentorship, uh, with aligning kids that are in high school, college, uh, with mentors that look like them, come from their communities, that can reach out, that can pull up and then push up as they transition and move through um, their uh, professional careers. 
Yeah, and I do want to let our listeners know, I mean, I did check out your website and and I thought it was really clever the way you're trying to reach out to these kids because you talked about the fictional stories and the non-fictional stories. And, you know, what's really hot now with kids is kind of the comic book kind of graphic novels and and the way you're doing it on your website where you're you're creating this content with kind of the the comic book type of approach, which is what, like I said before, what kids are really into. And then I think supplementing that with with non-fictional stories is the way to go because you kind of grab them in with that comic book type of approach and and you get them kind of hooked to use a fishing analogy and and kind of, you know, pique their interest in, and kind of keep developing and, and adding on to that from there. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly the, you know, our mission and, and our drive. Because uh, at the end of the day, especially when you're trying to reach kids from K to career, um, you really need to have something that's entertaining and engaging and that meets them where they are. Uh, so that's where we, that's where we focus with our content, whether it's our children's books, whether it's our graphic novels and comics, uh, or whether it's our animated series or TV and film or even gaming uh, that we create. Uh, all those things that's, you know, kids are really engaged in, in multimedia platforms. So we're creating content that uh, will hook them and and the diversity, equity, inclusion is just in the background. It's, it's just happens to be that it's a Latina engineer. That's the protagonist, you know, but the story is not about necessarily her, the, everything else is sprinkled in. Uh, it's really about the, the, the amazing world that she lives in uh, the, the story, the expansiveness of the universe things that kids already love and dream about and when and the reality is that the content that we create is for everyone it's for kids yes, that come from yep. latino communities but it's also for kids that don't because it's important for everyone to be acclimated to hey no matter what you look like no matter uh how you speak no matter what your hair looks like no matter what your skin is like no matter where you were born you belong in any place that you believe that you belong if you want to be a doctor if you want to be an engineer you want to be an astronaut you want to be a computer scientist you can do those things absolutely so Dr. Mori, you know, you're a Hispanic leader in technology and innovation. What would you say are some of the unique perspectives and strengths that the Hispanic professionals bring to the tech transfer and STEM sectors? Uh, I would say it really comes from our heritage. Latinos and Hispanics are very uh, community centered, very family centered. Um, so they tend to bring people to the table. It's all about this concept that if one can eat, we all can eat. So it comes from a, a place of abundance. Whenever we're we're building community, wherever, wherever we're building industry, uh, we bring that sense of community and familia to the work that we are doing. Um, there's also a great respect for uh, multi-generational uh, work. So working with, you know, tus abuelos, tu abuela, abuelita, abuela, uh, working with your parents, working with the kids and really transferring and mentorship in, in our communities, there's a lot of storytelling and really storytelling is about community building and mentorship of the next generation. So we bring that into the different things that we do. So we bring more folks to the table and really that is it's it's our superpower because we the data shows that uh, companies that are more diverse, especially at the top, tend to do better because of the diversity of thought, because you have people that are looking at the same problem, but because of their multifactorial 
um, strengths of coming from a diverse community, they don't solve that problem the same way. They solve it from different perspectives. And then when they're, everyone's at the table discussing, well, I think this is the best solution, or I think this is the best solution, uh, then you essentially get the best solutions out there together. And then you take what's best from each one. And then the ultimate or penultimate solution uh, ends up being better uh, then, you know, if you had everyone that was only a Stanford grad that only came from one socioeconomic status, you know, one ethnicity, one background, one state, whatever, um, that's really where there's a, a great strength. The other major aspect is a lot of our communities tend to be matriarchal um, as well. And that's always shown to be a strength in industry. Uh, across, the data sets always show that um, companies that are women-led uh, tend to fare much better than companies that are male-led. Um, and that's, again, uh, multifactorial reasons as to why that is. But our, our community tends to be uh, very matriarchal. You know, that tends to be uh, the foundation for our community. I think it's a strength that we bring to the table as well. Absolutely. And and I hope everyone, you know, you, you mentioned if one can eat, all can eat. And if we all just took that message forward, just think about how much better the world would be if we all thought that in that way. Yeah. And I get that from, from my abuela who, uh, who passed uh, many years ago, but um, she, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't very wealthy. Um, and regardless of that, she always was thinking about others and didn't matter how little she had. She always said that she had enough to give away. And that's something that um, I've always taken with me. Um, and it's something that um, has uh, has been a driver in in the things that I do. Yeah, it should resonate with all of us and the world would be much better off if, if we all acted in that way. So what a role model. So, Dr. Moore, I wanted to ask you, um, as the podcast comes to a close, looking ahead, could you share with us or give us a glimpse of some of the exciting projects or initiatives that Ad Astra Media has in store for the future? Absolutely. No, and, th and thank you for asking. Um, so yeah, if, if, if everyone can follow along on our social media channels, uh, we're most active on Instagram um, as well as on our website. Uh, and people can join um, our mail listserv and you can uh, keep up on a quarterly basis with what we're doing. Uh, but we have a lot of fun things, a lot of fun content that's coming out. Uh, we have constantly uh, new comics in our Intergalactic Academy comic that is uh, dropping every month. So you can follow that. It's really neat. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at it. It was really fun. Thank you very much. And it's available in English and in Spanish. Uh, we have a new book coming out in our Good Night Little series, uh, which I can't announce what the title is yet, but stay tuned for that. Um, we have a new teen book uh, that's coming out called uh, Terror Warriors. So it's kind of like a modern day Captain Planet with a diverse group of kids uh, that each get a power depending on uh, what climate they protect so it's a lot about sustainability about climate change awesome. uh, and how kids from diverse communities can help support that excellent well thank you so much dr moray and and that brings us to the end of this episode and this was really a fantastic way to kick off hispanic heritage month again dr moray thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about ad astra media llc my pressure Lisa. thank you so much and to our listeners, please be sure to stay tuned for more inspiring stories during our Hispanic Heritage Month series. Thanks for listening to Autumn on the Air with Lisa Mueller. Get social with us and share your thoughts. You can tweet us at AUTM 
or visit us online at AUTM.net. We'll be back next week on the air. Be sure to join us.